You are listening to the Senior Pastor Podcast, where four giants of the Restoration Movement walk us through the issues facing the church today. Your four hosts are Bob Russell, Don Wilson, Ken Eidelman, and Scott Rawlings. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Brooke Bratzman, CEO and founder of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. After 30 years of leading this ministry, the next generation is taking it to a whole nother level. And I have had the privilege of starting a new area called Go Legacy, where we focus on pastoral care, resourcing new initiatives, and teaching and modeling kingdom generosity. If you'd like to learn more, please go to gomen.org. We all leave a legacy. What will your legacy look like? Welcome to the Senior Pastor Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rawlings, the teaching pastor at Christ Community Church. We are joined, as always, by Bob Russell, the founding pastor of Southeast Christian Church, Dr. Don Wilson, the founding pastor of CCV in the Phoenix area, Ken Eidelman, the former president of Ozark Christian College and lead pastor of Crossroads Christian Church before he went to someplace called Southeast where Somebody named Kyle Eidelman leads now uh, the, the ministry there, and Scott Rawlings, the founding pastor of Christ Community Church. Um, quick episode here. Let's talk about youth ministry. Don, you made a comment in our very first episode that about youth ministry, that if you could do it all over again, you would not have a separate youth service from the main church service because you stated that, you know, we're reading about 70, 80% of kids leaving the church. Well, what church did they leave? They never knew the church. Um, what would you do in retrospect? How would you handle youth ministry? Well, I, 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 if I look at why I believe that we're having a real problem of, of even young people going into ministry today, I think we mm-hmm. remove the senior pastor from going to camp. Uh, the youth pastors go to CIY and all that. I think it'd be great if senior pastors went as well. So they have some different models. Uh, also, uh, like I said, if if you have youth worship at your church from junior high through high school, that's six years that most of those kids never go to the adult service. And we say to them, well, you you left the church. Well, that they have no church for them to come back to because all they know is this is the six years they had in the youth ministry. So I looking back, I think if I had young people greeting instead of always senior adults greeting at the front door if we had them involved in worship Mm. if we had them involved in serving communion just their presence in the adult service i think would change the energy it would let them know that we believe in the next generation and i believe if they're more a part of that then when they go away to college they do have a church to come back to and i think i think a lot of them would stick in the church more that's kind of what what i was thinking i wouldn't i wouldn't do away with youth ministry I would just reevaluate is a youth service better than having them involved in the adult service. Bob, what about you? You, you know, looking back on youth ministry at Southeast and so forth, what what would you keep? What would you change? What do you think the strengths, weaknesses were? Well, we talked earlier about hiring people. And I, I think the two most important hires, generally speaking, are the worship leader and the youth minister. The worship leader has such a 
critical role in leading the congregation and setting the tone for what's going on in the church. But the youth minister has such an impact on the future of the church. Those three or four years that he's overseeing those kids are just so formative in, in, their, in their lives. And it was my observation that a good youth minister is goofy enough that the kids like him and responsible enough that the parents trust him. And often a good youth minister is just one week from being fired because he's so edgy that the kids like him. Uh, But uh, it is not an easy, easy position. Uh, I think for our culture today, the youth minister has got to be a, a little more focused on teaching kids the Bible and teaching kids the basics. When I was growing up, we were in Sunday school and church Sunday morning, youth group and church Sunday night, Wednesday night church, vacation Bible school revivals. But we reduced that to about an hour a week. And uh, if, if that youth minister is able to persuade the kids to come on Wednesday night or Sunday night and all he does or she does is entertain uh, we're not grounding the kids to be sufficiently strong to stand in the culture for the future. And I think that today's youth ministry needs to be more focused on training and discipleship than they are on entertaining and having a good time. Dad and I have become good friends with uh, dete- uh, retired detective Jay Warner Wallace. Uh, He's been to our church several times. I would recommend him for anyone listening to come to their church. He's a Christian apologist who's a former cold case detective. And Jay Warner Wallace at one time ran Rick Warren's youth ministry, and he completely changed it. He said, you know, he took Rick Warren's youth ministry and he said, you're teaching, you need to train, and there's a difference. And so one of the things he would do was, for example, he said, next week, I'm going to come in as an atheist, and you guys are going to defend creation, biblical creation, that God created the world. And you're going to do it. And he would come in, he'd do that. He'd also take his students to Salt Lake City to try to evangelize Mormons. And, you know, that's how he would train people. Now, Ken... You're uniquely qualified on this podcast. You know, you were a Christian college president. You've been a professor. You know, is there a difference between teaching and training? Well, I think I think there it's a it's a fine line, but but uh, we actually had it in our stated purpose. We we are about training men and women for Christian service, and uh, we saw the we saw the classroom as the the teaching part of that, but we also had students involved in serving out in the churches, serving in the community. We, we dismiss, uh, we dismiss class in the spring for our week of evangelism. And, uh, that, that training Mm -hmm. component is what I think actually put the students, uh, on the field when they got finished with their education, they'd had experience in areas of practical ministry and, and personal evangelism. And, uh, that's that's where they went, and uh, that's why ninety-five plus percent of the graduates went into either vocational Christian leadership or international Christian leadership as as church leaders or as missionaries. And so uh, I think it's both and, 
And uh, but I think what happens most often is that the training aspect of it is uh, left off and the teaching is elevated too much. We didn't hire PhDs on our faculty because the PhDs were uh, research oriented. They were not student oriented. We wanted Mm -hmm. we wanted um, we wanted faculty members who were practitioners and who were sold on the local church or sold on mission work. And and again, back to that, we reproduce after your kind. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dad, you were a youth minister, but then you were there. We had Jay Warner Wallace even present to our staff about the difference between teaching and training and so forth and youth ministry and the importance that you've got. It's not 18-year-olds that are checking out anymore. It's eight-year-olds that are now checking out of the faith. And so you were a youth minister for many years. You heard that presentation by Jay Warner Wallace, which people can get online. What did you think? Well, what he's saying is is vital because when I was a youth minister, I had kind of two things to do. Um, get people in church and and get as many of our young folks into a Christian college as possible. And whether we sent we sent a ton of them to to Milligan, we uh, Cincinnati was close. If they wanted to be a preacher, I graduated from Kentucky KCC at the time, and and we we said, but uh, that whole scenario has changed. In fact, I can't even find a youth minister hardly who's willing to work uh, like a coal mine mule should. I just can't get them off of their dead hind ends onto their feet and into the street where the people are. And and they want to go to the coffee shop and drink coffee and sit around and whittle and spit and, and nothing gets done. And it really bothers me except on Sundays. And so, I mean, it, it is a real problem that I don't have the answers to. But I know that, that since we, we've changed it, the local church has got to assume a lot of the things that we used to send to the Bible colleges for. At least that's what it looks to me. And I think that's what uh, Brother Wallace was trying to tell us. Matt, can I, can I push back here a second? Yes, uh, please. I think yeah, I agree with Bob that he said, you know, the youth group's got to quit just doing games and fun stuff and preaching the Bible. But the problem is the same thing's happening in adult worship in most of our churches today. Uh, yep. The music is a concert. The sermon is a TED talk. Uh, most of the sermons are how the preacher feels, <laughs> anxiety, stress, and all that. They're not. We're not hearing the Bible doctrine being preached in the local church. So it's not just in the youth ministry. I think it's a local church. But the bigger issue to me is Deuteronomy six. We don't have parents that are teaching biblical values to their kids. And if we expect just the church to do it on one sermon or the youth pastor to do it in one sermon with social media. Uh, taking all that in a different way, we've got to figure out a way to get our parents back to see themselves as biblically responsible for raising their kids and teaching them biblical truth. I think that's a great point. And I, I would, I think we ought to emphasize to youth ministers, you've got a ministry to parents and you need to find some way to get these parents to study the Bible with their kids, talk about the biblical values with their kids and not trust the church to do it. And the youth minister needs to be involved with the parents. That's another reason to have them in worship with the parents. Uh, I know at Crossroads yep. in our second service on Sunday morning, we had a Saturday night to Sunday morning, the second service on Sunday morning, the late service, that's the one that the teens came into and they came in mass and they all sat together 
and it energized our worship in that service. And the parents were hearing the same message that their their kids were, and so they had things to talk about in the car on the way home, or or uh, at the house when they got home. And and I think that that generates that conversation, Don, between the parents and their their kids if they're worshiping together. Well, Dad, you've pushed this for a long time. You believe there should be family discipleship and family worship. You want to talk about that? It became obvious years ago that um, that what we were doing wasn't cutting the mustard. It just wasn't going to do that. And, and we've tried several different things, and I'm not certain where we'll come down. But right now, uh, we're um, the sermon that uh, is presented on a Sunday morning and and that same subject is being taught in every classroom all the way down to the nursery. And uh, the the outline is is given for both the sermon and uh, the uh, for the children. And it looks like we're going to have to end up end up printing all of our own uh, uh, Sunday school material. It looks like it if if we follow up on that, and and so that the parents will be if we're talking about Elijah, the nursery's talking about Elijah all the way all the way down to, to get so that they're all on the same page. And every, we also put in bulletin inserts with questions and so forth for the parents to ask the kids. And that goes along with the sermon. Yeah, we are, you know, um, doing basically everything from the sermon to uh, the little kids. It's all the same lesson and it's all the same questions and so forth, hoping, hoping that parents will disciple their kids along with that. That's what we're trying. We're throwing we know that, a few you know, of them are. against the wall yeah. and hoping it sticks. Yeah. I think I think one of the best things that's happening in some of the youth ministries I hear is that if you're a youth coach, youth sponsor, whatever you want, you stick with the that same group of kids for 4 years versus just working with them for 1 year. I think that's an excellent change that they can be involved in their life for four years versus just showing up for, for a few months. That, that's, a, that's a change that I, I see that I think is good that I didn't see. I didn't do that years ago when I was a youth pastor. Ken Evans is a young father in our church, businessman, had five boys, and he wanted to talk about the Bible with his sons and train them. And he looked for some literature to help him. Couldn't find anything. So he began to develop his own material uh, of asking questions about the Bible. And some other people found out what he was doing and asked him about it. He eventually quit his job and be headed up, a, now heads up a parachurch organization called Manhood Journey. And they provide uh, literature for fathers to sit down and talk with their kids. They read the Bible, and then there are some discussion questions. It gets the fathers involved because we tell dads they should be teaching their kids the Bible, but the dads ha- haven't a clue how to start. And uh, Manhood Journey has, has been a pretty good resource to at least get them started. We will uh, recommend that to our folks. And also, we're going to take a minute to hear a word from our sponsors. Thanks to Go Ministries. Make sure you check them out help to form your legacy. Hi, I'm Brooke Brutzman, CEO and founder of Go Ministries. Go Ministries empowers local leaders to make disciples. After 30 years of leading this ministry, I have turned it over to the next generation and couldn't be more pleased with how they're leading and all they're doing. That allows me to focus on a new area called Go Legacy. We focus on pastoral care, 
resourcing new initiatives, and kingdom generosity. And folks, let's face it, if you're connected at all with the church, whether a regular attender, an elder, and certainly if you're on staff, you see the pressures that our leaders are under. It is an incredible burden that they bear and often bear alone. Go Ministries have been privileged to walk alongside hundreds of local leaders right here serving in our own churches. And we want to do more through counseling, encouragement, and equipping those pastors. But that doesn't happen without new initiatives and new resources. And that brings us to kingdom generosity. Folks, God owns it all. And we need to live into that each and every day. Please go to gomen.org and ask yourself, what will your legacy look like? Guys, it, it, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, you, you said hiring a worship pastor, hiring a youth pastor is so important. With a youth minister these days, because many of them um, are not married, they're fresh out of Bible college or fresh out of an internship, they're 22 years old and, and so forth. What do you look for in them in this day and age? I, I've heard you say, you know, Ken, what are you offended by? Which I think is, is an important point. Bob, I've heard you talk about doctrine and I think that's very important because I've had many, many, many conversations with pastors when I worked for ADF. I had one pastor down in Charlotte who was a weirdo like me with a master of divinity and a law degree. And he said, you know, Matt, I, I, I take these 23-year-old kids aside and I say, tell me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they can't give me a coherent answer and he said, look, if they graduated from law school, and I said, what's Rule 11 in civil procedure? And they couldn't tell you, you know, that, well, that's malpractice. Why are we demanding more from our attorneys than we are from our ministers? So if you were hiring a youth minister today, what would you look for? Especially if it's a 23-year-old single guy, what are you looking for? Don? I'll let Bob go first. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken. <laughs> oh, did you hear that bus roll up back behind you, Bob? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you just got thrown okay, under I'd the go, bus. I'd go for it. I'd go for it. Okay. I, I would disagree with Bob a little bit today. If I was going to, I think the most important person you can hire on staff, along with music, I'd hire a children's minister before I'd hire a youth pastor today. Because kids mm. will do anything, parents will do anything for their kids today. And if you don't start them and get them before they get to junior high, you're not going to, you're not going to get them. I don't think then. You're talking about large churches. Most of the people are in smaller churches and the youth minister is going to oversee everybody from first grade through college. Okay. You're then, I, then I'm with you there on that. Okay. I, I would, I'd put more emphasis on the young, younger kids, but uh, by the way, today, if you want to be a children's pastor, in, in, in a church in America, you can, you can put your, and be a man, you can write your ticket. I, you wouldn't believe the number of people looking for not just youth, but even younger that are saying we would like to hire a male children's pastor and there's hardly none available. Our Bible colleges aren't turning them out, but the youth groups aren't turning them to the Bible college either. So it's a, it's a, it's a two pronged uh, uh, attack. But uh, I probably wouldn't want to hire almost a single. I'd I would rather have a uh, because of your chance of having an affair or, or being accused of something. I'd rather have a couple in the youth ministry 
high school yeah. than just having a man or a woman. Most most churches are trying to do one of each because, again, the uh, problem of, of a guy working with high school girls. Good point. Bob? Well, I, I, I think there has to be a balance there. You know, Carnegie Institute did a survey years ago determining what made a person successful, and they finally concluded 15% technology and 85% personality. <laughs> and uh, I, I think they have to be able to get along with people. Wow. They got to love kids and, and enjoy being with kids. We had a youth minister years ago who, who was a kid magnet. I mean, kids flocked to him, but the wild things that he did and the influence he had in the kids was not altogether positive. And uh, he had an affair and we had to release him. So we went to the opposite extreme and we allowed the pendulum to go too far. And we hired a guy who was totally vanilla. And he didn't do anything wrong, but the kids didn't gravitate to him. And we we kept holding on to him. Hmm. And we talked earlier about when to fire. And we just waited and waited on this guy. Yeah. And finally, in, in three years, he was gone. Three years in the life of a youth ministry is a long time. And uh, we, we lost some kids because yeah. he was on the other end of the spectrum. So I I would say I, I would want the balance of being a person of character and yet, on the other hand, a character, at least a, a people person who loved kids and en enjoyed being with them because they've got to sacrifice a lot to go to the ball games on Friday night and, and uh, have an all-night bowling party. I wouldn't want to do that yeah. again. But they've got to be uh, somebody who really enjoys being with kids and and wants them to to grow. One other thing, I, I think we need. Uh, one of the guys mentioned earlier that uh, I think it was Scott saying, "My job as a youth minister get them to, into Christian colleges," and we need some youth ministers who are discouraging kids from going to secular institutions that are training them in hedonism and unbelief and pointing them yes. to some of our Christian schools where they can be reinforced. Amen to that. I, uh, Bob, I completely agree. My, my son is at Liberty University for the simple reason he wanted to go to film school. And I said, well, the only way I'm going to pay for it is if you find a Christian film school and that was it. And so that's where he's at. And so you know, I tell people, yeah, he's in film school and he wants to go to Hollywood, but he has to take a Bible class and he has to go to chapel. So I'll take that. Um, Ken, we're going to wrap up here here in a minute. But Ken, what do you have to say? Number one thing I look for, passionate love for God and love for people, a sense of calling to that particular uh, age group, the, the, whether it's children's ministry or student ministry. Uh, so often it, that's seen as a kind of a first step into ministry, but somebody really wants to do something else down the line. And uh, if you can find some, some, someone that has a terminal calling to, to do children's ministry or, or youth ministry, they're going to be looking for ways to do it better and better and grow in that area. So uh, I think that's what I would look for most. The best, one of the best hires yeah. I ever did is I hired a, a junior high public school teacher and brought him in, and he was over my all of my children's ministry. And I said, "You have one basic goal. I want you to recruit a man in every Sunday school class and every age group, because some of these kids they don't have a male uh, presence in their life." Yeah. And that was that was the biggest turnaround we ever did in our children's ministry. He made sure we had wow. a man in every classroom. 
That's man. That's I, I know Ken. I, I know that Bob agrees with Ken because I sat in his living room when he told me about that calling business. He said the the Lord was calling him to go to Florida, <laughs> and the weather was getting cold. So. You got to go where the Lord leads you. I, I know he's <laughs> off. Doing All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for us today. I want to thank you all for the wisdom that you have shared. I want to thank Bob Russell, Dr. Don Wilson, Ken Ottoman, Scott Rawlings. And so we will be back, Lord willing, soon with more wisdom to help your ministry. And so God bless. This has been the Senior Pastor Podcast, a production of 1801 Media Incorporated. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.